All right, soccer freaks. This is ATL on Fire, the podcast. We're going to be talking all things Atlanta United Football Club. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. everybody welcome back to the podcast and if you have not subscribed to the youtube channel down here while you're watching there's a little red button click that right dave we want want some more viewership on youtube since holy cow mikey dobbs i know that we're supposed to talk about it all but now we're showing it all it's like technicolor (laughs) welcome to the future atl on fire podcast listener we may not know how to talk about it all sometimes, but I got this camera switcher now, and we look good. Look at this. Boom. How about that angle, Dave? Uh, it's, it's much more flattering. I thank you to make it All right. Well, uh, you know, we've got a good bit to talk about. Um, we've got the Seattle game, which was, what, uh, a week ago. Mm-hmm. We flew out, and I thought we had uh, a good result with the tie there against a team that's the top of the table, I would have taken the tie all day long if you'd asked me. Just uh, so you're con- not concerned about me and Mikey Dobbs, he means the team flew out. He and I stayed here and watched on television. Thank you for that clarity. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you were at the game yesterday at the Benz. Yes. And uh, some highs and lows there for sure. So I, you know, as a true fan, I was like, to heck with the Champions League final, I'm going to the game. Yeah, we put the Champions League on the DVR and... Uh, <laughs> And, and watched, uh, yeah, I thought it was a good win by Chelsea, but uh, it was sad to see De Bruyne get injured in that and not, yes, uh, not be able to compete. So For the European Championships, right? Yeah. Oof. I think he's going to be back, though. Yeah. Uh, maybe only miss the opener, and then he'll play with a mask, which will be even more scary. Oof. He's a scary player to begin with, and uh, De Bruyne in a mask is double scary. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess, you know, there was some uh, some news that broke yesterday that's interesting. I don't know if you were able to catch up much on it. Um, yes, you should fill us in, Mikey Dobbs. So there have been some sanctions evidently brought down on Inter-Miami, David Beckham's team in Miami. Basically in 2020, while Paul McDonough, Atlanta's current and no longer uh, sporting manager, former, former sporting, <laughs> double former, ma- uh, technical manager. What is it? Sporting, sporting manager. I don't I know. I think he's like the Tam and Gam manager. Yeah, Tam and Gam. And so evidently <laughs> he was screwing around with Tam and Gam. Oh, particularly the Tam on how it was being allocated. And however, again, no one understands MLS. And I know you don't believe this, dear podcast listener, but Mikey Dobbs actually does know the difference between Tam and Gam. Oh. Probably the only person oh. in America. Well. One Clearly, is, Paul McDonough doesn't know. <laughs> I, either that, or he knows and uh, is is truly uh, was pushing the limits. Uh, obviously, MLS cracked down hard. It's really the first time I, as I understand it, MLS has really done anything of this magnitude to uh, basically over the next two years. I think think they're taking away two point two million in basically uh, monies that could be used for player salary and whatnot. So I have to say, you know, credit to uh, Bocanegra and Eels. They allowed him to do amazing things for us, then shipped him off when he got busted and then brought him back um, right afterwards. So, you know, 
credit. But (laughs) not only did we lose him, I would imagine that, you know, it does worry you a little bit, right? That if there's any deeper investigation on how we've been managing the books of it. You mean our 23 international slots that we bought might not be legit? Is that what you're implying? I don't know. I just hope that however he was moving things around in our spreadsheet, he was doing a better job than he was at Intermind. Have you looked into it? Was it legal for us to buy an international slot? I think so. I think as far as I know, you can buy as many It was very public, slots. so if it wasn't legal, you'd think yeah. they would have brought the hammer down already. But he was banned until 2022 for any MLS position. And That's not that long. It's 2021. And he's, he's, he's <laughs> apparently uh, appealing the 22 year. So, oh. you know, we'll see if uh, that. So that, it's going to be banned for one week. And then, yeah, it's kind of like the MLS refereeing. Um, <laughs> and now that we're, we're off, uh, off the topic of Tam and Gam, what kind of wine did you bring us? But we're evening? still looking good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I brought uh, Uppercut, which is a uh, blend from Sonoma. It's a, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, but it's blended with a few other grapes. Um, so cheers again. Here's to being cheers. back in front of the fire. Oh, that's now that nice. you can see us. That's, that's got a lot of kind of fruity, fruity flavor. I like it. Um, yeah, it's big. I like it. So what do you want to do? You want to jump right to the Seattle game and, and start uh, with that game, which... Sure, our arch nemesis, Seattle. Seattle, and uh, Rui Diaz did his thing right out of the gates on us. Um, For MLS, I must say, you know, Atlanta United versus Seattle has to be considered a derby. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> you can't get any further apart. I, I, I you know... We need to coin an MLS term. You know, so Derby, for, for those of you out there who don't know, means there's two teams from the same city. What do you call it when there are two teams from, you know, halfway around the globe? It only happens in MLS. We got to have a term for it. Oh, that's a good one to come up with. I'm going to I'm gonna put you on that, Mikey Dobbs. But I like how, you know, since there's no real double MLS teams in any city in the U.S. because of the geography, they keep trying to pit everybody as the Derby. There's two New York rival. teams. I mean, that's true. Fair and fair and to LA, you. And uh, fair to you. Fairness to you, Mikey Dobbs. Um, the New York Red Bulls actually plays in New Jersey, which is not really New York. I've been there. Uh, but there are two LA teams: LAFC and LA Galaxy. So there you go. So there's two true derbies in the MLS. Correct. And one's called the El Clasico right now. Uh, is that, is that no, the, it's the El Trafico. El Trafico. The Classico right. is, yeah, is Barcelona, Real Madrid. And the one in L.A., because of all the traffic, is El Trafico. Very yeah. clever. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if the uh, the New York one has a nickname or not. but um, I don't think so. Now, the, the Red Bull Arena is pretty sweet. I did get to mm-hmm. go to the semifinals of Atlanta, who uh, beat up on... Apparently, there's some photographic evidence of you oh, there. That's good. <laughs> Any time there's Atlanta United confetti in New York turf, and you're one of the few people there, oh, it's yeah. good stuff. Well done. Uh, and, yeah, evidently, the Hawks are beating up on uh, the Knicks right now, too, so hopefully they the can... New York Knickerbockers, correct. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I got to get my head back in gear for the game two two weeks ago. Yeah, Rui Diaz. Rui Diaz. I cut you off, sorry. Was, was that like the sixth, seventh minute? I don't know, it was like in the first ten it's minutes. pretty right? early, yeah. Um, remind me, do you recall the goal? It's a corner kick, and, uh, you know, it's oh, interesting because the, right. the, the commentator said um, Brooks Lennon it was a free you. header. That's not true. Um, he was draped all, Brooks Lennon was draped all over Rui Diaz. 
Um, but you know, for for those of you out there, again, the the young podcast listeners out there, one of the things this again is a bit I you know my critique of American defending, right? In the penalty area, there is no such thing as marking, right? Because you he proved it on that play. You can be as draped over him as much as possible, and they can still score. All you need to do is get a you know, three inches out in front of them and it's a goal. So when you are defending in the penalty area, it is imperative to actually beat the guy to the ball and score by or defend by getting it out rather than just trying to mark someone. Right. So speed to the ball as it comes into a playable position yeah, and you based can, on its arc. Yeah, yeah, you can see Brooks Lennon on that play. He's trying to track Rui Diaz and he's all over. He's got two arms around his waist, basically. Um but, you know, so you start by tracking the guy, but as the ball is in the air, you've got to see it and go get it. Yeah. And, you know, really, again, that was a, a, a poor moment of, again, yeah, just what you need to do and get gritty on the defensive uh, set plays, which seems to be a vulnerability of Atlanta United so far this season on set plays. I feel like we're pretty vulnerable. I don't know if you're witnessing the same, but is that true? Where are the set plays we've given up? Uh, a couple corners for sure at the beginning of the season that came flying through. Uh, I don't feel like we've been we've been particularly vulnerable. I'd have to look at stats, but um, and I don't actually, you know, maybe I would disagree with you slightly in that, I, you know, in fairness, you know, I was pointing out that critique because that's just the important way, you know, to think about it, right? But you know. If you are drapes all over someone and you're fighting for the ball and and they score anyway, sometimes you just have to tip your hat to them and be like, you know, good goal. The way you prevent that um, is not to concede possession in your end, not to give up corner kicks, not to give up set pieces. Yeah. And, you know, overall, though, I felt like the possession, again, was really strong by Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, And and possession in, in their side of the field, moving it around, not... Too laterally, but um, you know, trying to create some chances, particularly against again a good team. Um, I, it's I, awfully impressive to go on the road to Seattle. I mean, Seattle's undefeated at that point, and um, you know, to go on the road and dominate possession like that in their stadium is awfully impressive. Yeah, I'm looking at my scribbled notes here. So I do recall in the first half, uh, Bello um, again a weakness of his. There was a ball that was played, you know, deep and over the top. Mm -hmm. And as it came into the box, he kind of tried to almost back pass it to another player and just put it. He basically passed it right to the other team, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when the pressure. And there was a million things he could have done, like kick it out of bounds or whatever. But again, it was that we've got to play possession out of the back, even when. It's a bad idea. Trying and to get too cute. Too yeah. cute. Mm-hmm. And that was just a moment we got completely lucky on. Um, again, an area where Bello needs to continue to develop. But, you know, the interesting thing is outside of the first 10 minutes when they had, you know, the goal and, and maybe another chance. As the game went on, they did not have great chances no, at all. They didn't. Um, and this is what I was saying, you know, the last, last podcast. Um, I think Atlanta United is potentially shaping up as a team that could be one of the better defensive sides we've seen in a while in MLS. Um, and that's also without Alan Franco. For those of you out there who are like, you know, hearing that um, walks is great and he's defending whatever, um, there is zero chance 
that Alan Franco, as a 23-year-old player already capped for the Argentinian national team, came here not to be the starter. As soon as he is back healthy again, Walks is going to be on the bench. And so looking at my notes here, I have no notes on Walks or Robinson or Guzan in the first half, which yeah. pr- probably means they played pretty decent. <laughs> I have, I no have, news is I, good news. I have a scribble that Sosa was 100%. He made one bad pass, mm-hmm. and that was a probing pass forward. Yeah. And, and to your point, last podcast, mm-hmm. is you'd actually rather see more of that from him. Yeah, um, if he's never giving the ball away, then he's not, yeah. in my opinion, pushing hard enough. Yeah, and, and it was is definitely the type of pass you want to try to make something happen on. So made note of that. Um, Brooks Lennon, a couple of giveaways and not the best crosses in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I just kind of made the observation, Brooks Lennon's style of play looks stiff sometimes. I don't know if you see the same thing. I just He's definitely... Um, a player who re- a, a typical American style who relies on his athleticism more than right. his creativity. That's for sure. But it's almost like he just needs to take a breath a little bit and, and, and yeah, just relax. And I think a little bit more creativity will come out, but yeah, he's almost over relying on that athleticism, but mm-hmm. you know, I think he's, he's good enough to where I think he just needs to actually take some people on in a more n- nonchalant way than he does, um, I think with almost you can almost see that he's he's stressed out a little bit the way he's trying to do it. I don't know if if that's me just making that up or. Yeah, I mean, um, there are two different types of defenders on the outside. There's some that are a little bit more creative types, and Bello has some real skill, particularly going forward. And there are others who just live and die by their motor and getting up and down the line and. He seems to be the latter type of yeah. uh, of a fullback, but you know there are some, been some phenomenal fullbacks who have gotten by um, on their motor, for example. Yeah, and uh, the the player that uh, that I think probably was uh, a, a little over his skis more than I've seen. You, you saw a little bit of this, I think, in the CCL game. You mentioned uh, like a deer in headlights. I thought Eric Lopez definitely got. Um, you know, his head in the wrong place in that game out of the gates with, a, I forget the other player, but uh, it was... You mean de- a yellow card? Well, he got a yellow card, and he he could have been on the edge of getting a red, which is why he got taken out of the game, because mm. he was being a hothead uh, for sure in that game. And <laughs> Hines is kind of player, though. <laughs> yeah, but, but not in a productive... And a Mikey Dobbs kind of player, I would add. I don't think he was being productive in that game. I think he was actually getting shut down. Now, this last game... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I mean... That's a different story, but he we're was talking terrific, about the Seattle game. It's terrific at the Benz, yeah, yeah, against Nashville, and uh, has shown, I think, some real, um, you know, potential. Um, yeah, Heinemann, not a lot to talk about in the first half. Um, again, probably was moving and, and creating a lot of space, but I, I d- didn't see a lot what of... What did you think of Joseph Martinez in that game, in our continued evaluation well, of his return? You know, he had a good strike, according to my notes here. Um, oh, yeah, he had an absolute cannon. Yeah, so, yeah, he wasn't, you know, I, I like to see that. Right? It, was a, it was a pretty long-range shot, but mm-hmm. didn't go to, it fizzed over the top left of the, uh, the in corner. In the second right? half, yeah, yeah, 60th minute or something like that. Um, no, I think this was first half, unless it was oh. a different strike. I don't know. Um, what do we got here? And... Yeah, and, and the fact that uh, Heinze also got a yellow in the first half. Uh, I don't know what happened on that one, but he was obviously... Surely getting... not his last. No, 
Um, so that was the first half. Anything else in the first half that, that stands out to you or in the game? No, I mean, I you know, um, if you go back to the CONCACAF Champions League um, where we conceded a goal and just panicked and everybody went forward, um, and then we just had a meltdown, um, I have to say on the road in Seattle – um, conceding an early goal like that and not panicking and everybody sticking to the, the game plan was, was good to see. Um, yeah, and as I flip my notes here, I have like kind of three headlines. I felt like there was... I'm impressed looking at all you taking notes. I know. I was, well, I was sitting here on the couch with some broken ribs, so I had nothing better to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yikes. Uh, I felt like, you know, th- there's a lack of, or again, urgency though. When I felt like we actually did have control of the game and there's the moment to kind of smell blood mm. and go after the game. And I still feel like we're missing that type of commitment to smell the blood and i felt like we had seattle on their back foot for a moment in that game and i think that's why i have the note here um i felt like we were bad on set pieces and we didn't play enough like i guess what you call like any any sort of counterattacking a soccer soccer where you know the old days of almiron just moving the ball quickly from the mm-hmm. back to the front you're just not seeing that at all and i'm not saying we have to be a counter attacking team but there are moments when you got to get the damn ball up fast to Joseph Martinez, and we no longer do that, and that's killing me. So we're not smelling blood. We're bad on set pieces, and there's no sense of urgency type, type of counterattacking soccer at all in our DNA right now. I don't know if that's fair or not, but I just don't see that. Well, I think as I pointed out last time, um, I don't think you in, until Barco is back playing every match, and you have him and Moreno both in the attack, and until Joseph Martinez is a lot closer to the Joseph Martinez of old, um, we're we're not going to have a third gear yet. Um, the team has enough possession in the final third to score one, two goals a game. It's not a a boring side. Um, but the third gear that gets you the third goal and occasionally the breakout, you know, five goal extravaganza, um, it requires those players being healthy. And and by bad on set pieces, not only do I mean like defending the corner kick, which we got scored on, mm-hmm. our free kicks have been bad. A lot of them are just not even on frame. Um, and just, yeah, some opportunities that I think were definitely lost on some set pieces that, well, Barco looked really good early on free kicks. And then, of course, when he was out, we yeah. looked just hopeless on free kicks. Martinez, Brooks Lennon, yeah. I think those are the guys who have taken it. But um, And as as you pointed out last year, for those who are aficionados of the podcast, having two players stand over a free kick is really detrimental. It really throws the guy who's going to take yeah. it is a little unfocused by it and it's funny because you've had that insight and i too have that had had that insight it's something that i think is nuts and i would never let um my team do as a coach um i agree with you a hundred percent there's a little bit of focus the player doesn't take quite as long a run up the player doesn't balance the ball quite as well the player is looking at the other guy and it almost inevitably causes you to just sky a terrible one. It does. It, I mean, it really does. Uh, I, thanks for bringing that up again because, yeah, that – and it, was that in the Seattle game that was where that was happening? It was No, I think it was actually – Both games. I think it was both games, but it was definitely in the Nashville game when mm. Bar- Barco was in the game, and Barco did not end up taking that. 
yeah, he came on. I thought, you know, maybe they brought him on and he was going to take the free kick, you know, first, right. you know, first 20 moment. seconds. Yeah. But. And he should have. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he should have told the other guy to get the hell off the ball. Who was it, Mulraney that took it? It wasn't Mulraney. I thought it was Martinez. I think it was Martinez. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was, but um, maybe. You think maybe you, may, you might be right. Could have been Brooks Lennon. Maybe um, it was Brooks Lennon. Back, back to the Seattle game. Mulraney, I think, came on in the second half, maybe. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, he must yes, have come in for. Time, I think he must come on for Eric Lopez, and mm-hmm. I, th- I thought he played quite well. Uh, it's and- interesting. We had a discussion about you know Mulraney with his speed was getting by people and getting into the corner, but then he can't deliver a cross with his right foot. Um, he's left-footed, so um, he was just cutting it back and just ruining the whole momentum. And um, in the middle of the game, a couple games ago, Hines moved him from uh, right midfield where he could cut inside and shoot to left midfield where it was on his natural left foot for the cross. And we had this conversation about, was that just a moment or was that an actual move? And the answer is it was an actual coaching move by Heinz because he's never gone back out on the right. Yeah. Which I think is brilliant, right? Because Heinze is now, you know, people say, oh, Heinze loves a cut in player or whatever. And here's an example of a coach who is, you know, obviously prefers that. That's what he started with. That's what he's done in the past. But he's not um, just devoted to it to the point where he's like, well, you know, that's not working. Let's switch it. Yeah. And, yeah, again, though, I thought he brought uh, a good energy, Mulraney, when he came in. And like, do you think that DeBoer would ever switch something that he thought was not no, going right? No. He was just so, you know, emphatic about his, you know, he knew which way it was supposed to go. Yeah. I don't know. My notes aren't making any sense anymore, so. <laughs> We've reached the end of Mikey Dobbs' yeah. notes. Okay, now we're winging it. We're winging it, but, uh, you know, again, Guzan, very solid in the game. I felt like the two center backs played well, and Sosa, Again, dynamite in that game. Guzan wasn't great in the Nashville game. Um, he yeah. was a couple of times he was uh, a little slow. There was one time, um, was it first half? Yeah, first half where um, he started to come for a ball and both um, Walks and um, Miles Robinson stopped because they just, you know, we're going to get out of his way. And then he had second thought and didn't come for the ball. And the, uh, the national yeah. player came right through. Like, yeah, I remember no. that. But he, he, you know, it turned out to be nada. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, and then at the end of the game, uh, I, I guess it was Miles, correct, in the Seattle game, put a beautiful ball over the top with just the right flight on it that allowed... Lennon with his pace um, to streak up the corner and cut in into the 18 and just be able to put a cross um, back across the box, but also got fouled on that play. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, I think certainly a little lucky, but it was definitely a foul. Uh, I thought, you know, in the, the well, one of the things that happened on that play, and it also happened for the goal in Nashville, the one where Bello crossed it to Lopez. Um, And it is something that I have talked about on the podcast. In all of those cases, um, the other team had the ball. Like in the Seattle case, the other team had the ball. They were playing it forward. Miles Robinson stepped forward, wins the ball. 
right at midfield is able to take you know five yards of space and then plays that ball to an exploding um brooks lennon and um i don't think you can underestimate it in the case of the um in the nashville game um it's uh marcelino moreno but it was started from walk stepping up winning the ball at midfield getting a poke in, it went right to Moreno. And, you know, as you were talking about how we're not fast enough in transition, that's when we are. When those guys have won it in midfield, boom, one pass, and Moreno got to run 30 yards with nobody in the way, right. and then spring um, um, spring Bello for a beautiful cross uh, to uh, Lopez. And um, so my point being that that the Heinz system, the way it it works in a in a speed you know transition way is when those guys are up challenging and winning the ball at midfield boom one pass and now somebody gets to run yeah so then that led to obviously a pk uh, a little <laughs> nervous watching joseph come up to take it because you know he loves skipping a you jump you know he loves his hop skips and jumps and he didn't uh he didn't let us down buried it i mean wasn't even close Buried it, and you goalkeeper got, moving one way, almost upper nine or the other way. It doesn't get any more beautiful than that. Yeah, no, I I was pleasantly surprised <laughs> when when that hit the hit the back of the net. Keeper went the wrong way, and it, ye of little faith. It's almost like you remember the playoffs with the Boer uh, <laughs> when we could have gone to the final. Oh, no, I don't want to talk about. And uh, yeah, and and that was that, and uh, you know, a one to one tie against Seattle. I think I took a, a Twitter poll on uh, ATL on Fire and, and said, "Hey, would it be good if we came away with a draw? Yes or no?" Dear podcast listeners, do participate in the Twitter polls. Yes. They're very exciting. <laughs> At ATL on Fire. So yeah, I think ninety percent of the pollers, if my memory serves, uh, at least eighty five, I think, agreed. Uh, when it was all done, that leaving there with a the draw would be a good thing. And well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as we talked about, going on the road in MLS is a losing proposition. Going halfway across the world to Seattle, we still got to come up with a name for that. Um, is even more of a losing proposition against, um, you know, a, a terrific side, defending champion, uh, defending runner-up. Sorry, and. Um, and you know an undefeated team, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, times. I agree. Um, partic- That's a long way of saying yeah. I agree with the the Twitter poll. Yeah, particularly with in that game, I don't think uh, Alan Franco, uh, uh, Jurgen Dom, nor Barco were available, so we yeah. we we're definitely missing some depth. And by the way, I have to credit our Twitter feed, uh, Mikey Dobbs, for uh, sufficiently trolling the Atlanta United organization and getting them to actually say something about Barco and Franco leading into this game. You're welcome. Cheers to you, Mikey Dobbs. Thank you. <laughs> only Mikey Dobbs can troll enough and, to get and, them to say something. And they only said something like uh, 24 hours before. Yeah, 24 hours. Um, they might be available. Yeah. <laughs> Way to give an injury update, right? They might be available. Uh, uh-huh. I don't get it. I do not get it. And anything else on the Seattle game you want to touch on? I mean, again, yeah, I th- thought it was a good draw. I'd take that, take yeah, that, take I mean, that point any day. Yeah, well done. And uh, you got to go to the Nashville game. Correct. 
yesterday, which was a 3.30 start on a beautiful Atlanta day. It was absolutely gorgeous. The roof was open, and when that roof works, it's stunning. Um, uh, Mercedes-Benz is a thing to behold. Uh, while I was doing some barbecue, watching the game outside on a TV, it reminds me we need to get back to doing some tailgating and getting your grill going outside the Mercedes. Yeah, dear podcast listeners, uh, Atlanta United threw us a curveball in our section. They gave us uh, free food and free drinks. Um, and it's made us conflicted about tailgating because we normally tailgate. So uh, maybe you should take a poll um, whether or not we should A tailgate b just eat the food and drink inside our free section or c do both do both i've already jumped because <laughs> we, we at least got to do it once and do do a barbecue right and look get, out get world early. yeah um so you know that game um certainly for 75 minutes are soon. you gonna switch the view for our our oh. youtube uh Whoa! How about that? There we are once again in Technicolor. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Um, <laughs> those are my notes on the Seattle okay. the Seattle game. But since I was barbecuing and just it's having like a, behind the curtain, you can see the notes on the floor. That's why he's cheating. Watching the CCL game in between the Atlanta United game. Mm -hmm. um, just had fun watching the game. You mean the real CCL, not the Concacaf? Yeah, the, the real one. The real CCL. one. Sorry, Concacaf. So, uh, I'm going to let you take us through the Atlanta-Nashville game since you were there, right? So Holy you, crow, roll reversal. Yeah, well, you got the... You, I'm uh, you had panicked. The, you had the view from the 50-yard line. So, the beautiful seats. I had a view from a TV outside with a glare on it and a broadcast from Bailey Sports that was glitchy and uh, had a beautiful kind of glare on the field from the dome being open. Uh, you know how it's just, it was just really kind of hard to see the ball mm. and what was going on. It's actually so. interesting, you know, when the, the the roof is open and an afternoon game, um, the sun started out a little over halfway and Brad Guzon was looking into the sun in the first half. And then in the second half, um, the Nashville keeper was looking into the sun um, all the way up to about maybe 10 minutes to go. And then it then it went into completely shade. So walk us through the game. What did you think of uh, the, the – let's just start with the first half. Well, I mean, you know, um, you can't dominate more overall than we did. We had possession, um, although I think some of the shot stats were not that. I didn't look at the expected goals, um, but um, – you know, overall, I would say you have to be happy. We were um, in control of the game. You know, we scored um, two good goals for a change. Yep. Um, you know, particularly um, the team goal um, in the second. I mean, so the first goal... Um, it's just a big... is a big deep ball right down the center. Yeah, Moreno, it was a right? long ball down the center to uh, Moreno. Who made the ball? Moreno um, got it and and did a really nice job of it, it kind of came over his right shoulder really good settle and then settled it to his left which kind of cut behind another defender the which who was kind of like screened screening his own keeper right and yeah. so all he did was just it looked like he was going to fall over his own feet the Nashville keeper yeah um, it wasn't it wasn't great but who made the pass. I didn't see um, who made the, made the pass. It came from the right side. Yeah. Was it Miles Robinson also? 
I don't know. I knew, but I... Um, We're going to have to go back and look at that. But yeah, <clears throat> whoever it was, kudos. Um, great ball. And yeah, a lot of credit to Moreno for being composed on it. And it wasn't the the prettiest goal you're going to see. I feel like see, it was Brooks Lennon. Okay. I feel like it was Brooks Lennon. That, that feels like it's uh, a high It was from the right side, and I think it was Brooks Lennon because I don't think... Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and he, you know, Moreno didn't. It was get, either Lennon or Robinson. You know, he didn't get a lot on it on his shot. You know, but it was enough. And yeah, it was. You know, going one way and shooting back the other way. It's a misdirect, and that's yeah. enough. Under yeah, went under. You know, kind of under the the feet of the defender and the keeper that at that point was screened and you know went went uh, went right by him. So and also yeah, it was a great another great goal from Moreno to have the fans kind of get behind him. It's a great run. I mean, you love to see a guy like Moreno running from midfield beyond the last defender. I mean, when you do that and you're probing, and then um, that's fantastic. So that was that was his high point in the game. I think I absolutely know his low point. Do you? His low point. Oh yeah, the simulation was oh. ugly. <laughs> I know yeah. you may have not gotten to see the. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah, even live, I could say. People were so mad in a section. They're like, "Oh, it's giving yellow card. It's totally inappropriate." I'm like, eh, "I'm pretty sure that was a dive." Yeah, oh, it was 110 percent a dive, and uh, even from the upper row where our beautiful sideline seats are, I could tell that was a dive. Oh yeah, that was worth the break there. Thank you. <laughs> Wine break. But uh, yeah, I think you know that was a, a, a time for our commercial sponsor. That that is an area that Moreno he's he's got to figure out how to be a little stronger in the MLS, and that's a part of his game. He, he needs yeah, I think he's figuring it out, like you said before. Um, you know, getting used to the league. Yeah, but that's not the way you do it by doing a full on uh, knee knee diver. In fairness, you know, Barco was super flop. You know, in his first several appearances, and he, he's lost that. Yeah. Um, if we ever if we ever see him, I mean, yeah, if he's still alive. He did play in the second half, though. Yeah. So clearly, he is still alive. Um, that was one of the questions we had in the last podcast: Is Barco still alive? The answer is yes. Mikey Dow is still alive. I know. I, th- I think he's maybe going to go in this slightly summer, alive summer transfer window. I'm only mostly dead. It's my theory. <laughs> I'm only mostly dead. Um, yeah. So, and, and in the second half, you know, it seemed like we were in control. Um, the entire way, um, we score a beautiful goal again that we've you know touched on before. Interception by Walks, Marceline Moreno running at the defender, really nice wild ball out to Bello. Beautiful run by Eric, Eric Lopez, um, great finish again. The keeper at sixes and sevens. The keeper was like going for the ball and was like, oh, somebody ran in front of me. Uh, I was not impressed with the Nashville goalkeeper, but um, great goal and. Uh, and I don't know. So Eric Lopez was fed through in the second half by Bello, and he totally blew the breakaway. And I kind of assumed he was offsides, but in live, we never saw a flag. Do you know? Did they do VAR on TV? Was he offside? Uh, I don't recall. Um, I don't recall. I tried to check it on the highlights um, after, and they didn't say anything about offside. So my impression... At the stadium, my impression was, well, he blew it, but he kind of knew he was offside, so, you know, there's always that thing. But um, in retrospect, I think he just blew it. I mean, he had a straight-out breakaway. 
Yeah. I mean, so great run, great ball by Bellow, slipped in a beautiful ball, and if it was onside, then then the timing was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but you got to bury that game at 3-0. Three, three, uh, three um, as far as the last 10 minutes, I know people are going to be super critical, and it felt like, you know, being what, what kicked ha- in a bad spot. What happened? Like, I, I was I was pretty loose having some Coronas watching the game yeah. and, and wasn't going to get overly upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I didn't really try to break it down, uh, you know, particularly in these defensive moments where there's lapses, you're really good at kind of identifying who who or whom was, uh, you know, a part of the breakdown. Was it at midfield where it really went wrong or was it the back line when, when it came in? To be honest, I don't think that either goal – was too much of a lapse and I didn't think so live and I didn't think so even when I went back and watched the replay on the highlights um you know the first goal you know maybe you say okay you let him get in the penalty area a little bit easy um and he wasn't tightly marked um but he cuts back a a nice cut back and that ball goes right through Sosa's legs Mm. um which is a little bit unlucky. Um, so, um, and then the, the you, you know, I actually um, turned to our, our good friend Quentin right then, and I said, uh, which he mercilessly teased me about later, I said, look, you know, don't worry about it. We're still in control of this game. No way they're coming back. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, a few minutes later, they score again. The second goal was just a shambolic comedy. I mean, it's a, it's a longer shot. It deflects sideways off of Miles Robinson and just falls right to the guy at the six yard box. I mean, yeah, maybe you could say that we should have been, you know, covering over there, but um, I just think sometimes you have to be like, luck is just not on our side today. And we felt sometimes you don't feel in control, we felt totally in control. Yeah, up until the end there, and then we we could have lost it too. There was another moment after that second goal mm-hmm. that I think they could have put a third in. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember the. But details. we had another couple of chances to you know um, to bury it, and then maybe even to get to three to one. Like I don't know. Um, I have a hard time being too critical. I think I think we have to keep taking a deep breath because. Uh, I liked the way we played. I enjoyed the game. Um, I thought we were the better team. We deserved to win. Um, you know, it, it's actually interesting that, you know, our schedule thus far, you know, if you look at the top of the table, the teams that are at the top of the table, um, we've played most of them, mm-hmm. right? Um, we've had a pretty tough schedule. And actually, here's something we can talk about. Um I'm going to ask your opinion, and it might lead to an impromptu rant. All right. Um, So in most leagues, um, the scheduling is pretty straightforward. Um, You know, in terms of, you know, the games are Saturday, Sunday. They're starting to branch out a little bit. But MLS, um, the games are really, really scattered. 
you know, last last week we had a debate about um, where Atlanta United was in the table. And uh, dear podcast listeners, we were both right because, you know, I had, I had looked at it. And then the live table as we were doing the podcast was changing because there's games at all kinds of crazy days and hours. Right. So how do you feel about games at crazy hours and days? Well, you certainly shouldn't schedule them over the CCL championship game. Fair. That's just a terrible scheduling decision. I don't know who we blame on that. Who is at fault on that? How do you make that? MLS makes the decision, so. Arthur Blank's got enough money to have Paul McDonough do something shady, right? Like, come on. (laughs) I mean, if Paul McDonough can get four DPs at at Inter-Miami, he can't make sure we don't have a game scheduled over the uh, CCL championship final? Come on, I mean, so right now we're two, four, and one. Um, the commentator said, and I believe it's the case, that um, Heinz's record thus far is the best opening record of any of the coaches, including Tata. Now, Tata, in fairness, it was the very first season. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's the thing, right? But if you look at the table, right, we've played New England. It's the top. We've played Orlando is third. Um, we've played Montreal is fifth. Um, we've played Nashville is seventh. You know, it's been a, it's a pretty... And we played, of course, Seattle is first in the, the West. We've played, I think, a fairly difficult schedule. You know, we've only had one. We played Inter-Miami, who's shambolic. Um, and, uh, you know, we could have been... But, you know, we are currently in eighth. And you say, okay, that's not that great. But... We're two, four, and one. We're in eighth with 10 points. And, you know, we're one game in hand away from being in second. So um, I think right now, if you are an Atlanta United fan, as the team is settling under a new coach, particularly if you think about what we were doing last year, you got to be happy with even getting some draws because my guess is those draws are about to turn to wins as we transition from first third to middle third or even first half to second half of the schedule have you heard any updates on uh, ronald hernandez um i believe he was on the bench again um oh, so he was on the roster yes he okay. has appeared on the bench twice and what i have heard is that because he came from so he went to scotland in this crazy thing so he's venezuelan he's on the venezuelan national team um, he went to Scotland and um, right before COVID hit. And because COVID hit, um, he never did anything there. He didn't even train, mm. right? Nothing, right? And so he basically, it turned out, it turns out that he's had like, he had like eight months where he wasn't playing soccer. Um, so that makes me believe that um, he's just, you know, a get couple of months fit. from get you know to getting you know up to to to, to speed, um, you know, and I don't. I was originally thinking maybe Brooks Lennon won the job. I'm not so sure of that. And, and you know, in fairness to Brooks Lennon, I'm not really sure whether Hines actually sees him as a right back or not. He might see him as a right winger, you know, along with Jurgen Dam. Um, you know, you might have Hernandez and yeah. Lennon playing. That would be fantastic because I think yeah, Lennon certainly can be, you know, I could see the combination of even tactically using one or the other, you know, to just have a little change of speed, bring in maybe Jurgen Dom, you know, 
later on in the game to, you know. Yeah, it's nice to have ag- two quality wingers. wingers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so who we got next here? I'm looking at the schedule here on the, the screen. We're up against Philadelphia on June 20th. Is that right? Yeah, we owe those boys. We do. We do. And so what's uh, what's the name of the field up in the... can't uh, be the next game, though. Oh. Uh, Google's been so wrong with the uh, the schedules here. So do we really be. have a break from the... I no mean, today way. is the 30th. No We way. can't have 20 days before the next game. No. I that's guess. not right. It's not. That's not the, shambolic. It's the Google going wrong. All right, find something to talk about. I'll find, <laughs> I'll find the schedule. Here we are. You know, we're going to talk about it all. Now we're talking about Google and their lack of ability to have the MLS schedule. Of course, it's going to turn out we're wrong, and it is actually the next game. It could be an international break. Could it be an international break for that long? I don't think so. Oh, my goodness. That would be crazy. Um, anyway, you know, I... Um, it's an interesting uh, <clears throat> rant, you know. How do we? How do you feel about the fact that teams don't really always play on the same day, like a normal, you know, weekend? I mean, obviously, you know, in some of the leagues in Europe, um, there are things that get in the way. Champions League cup matches, if you go later, and then that throws it off. But pretty typically, they're playing once a week. They play Saturday or Sunday, and you know, it's pretty standard. Um, the MLS schedule is much more variable. You know, you'll have the occasional Tuesday yeah. game or whatever. I, I don't know. I like weekend games, personally. But, um, I don't know, it seems like a, a more sports. You see the NFL doing that, too. I mean, I think they're yeah, trying to sure. spread it out into the middle of the week. So Obviously, TV is driving that. And, right. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, as you pointed out, the TV. So, is is... Is Bally's, is that the same as the, the fitness center? I don't. Where people work out? Is that what we're supposed to be excited I, about? I don't know. Uh, Every I, time I see it, I feel like it's the same logo. It, it does kind of look like it, but I'm not a fitness junkie, so I don't even know <laughs> what the... What I have a gym in my house, so I don't yeah. have to go out of the house. So Bally's is, anyway, Bally's is shambolic. That used, It's still Fox. Okay. It's just branded like they sold the naming rights to the channel, right? It's like Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They sold the naming rights. Right. So I think it's Fox, but it's the Bally's channel now. And so I'm thinking it might be the I fitness. Thought, I thought it was... Um, but I could be wrong. It could be wrong. I thought it was the Sinclair group before. Am I wrong on that? I don't know. I think it was the Sinclair. This is much more your... Yeah. your but yeah, may, maybe mine. it's just a rebranding of the same crap. <laughs> but anyway, it makes it hard to find to follow the table because the moment you look at it, the live table is constantly switching. You can't. So on, a, you know, in a standard European league, you know, at the end of the weekend, you can look at the table and see where your team is, and that's not really true in MLS. It's all over the place. What am I doing wrong with finding the schedule here? I don't know. You're supposed to be an internet guru. Uh, if yeah. we're gonna be on YouTube. Um, then we got to do better with uh, with the internet. I know. <laughs> Ooh, this is the Nashville stats. Look at that. Ta-da. So you're on the MLS site, so the schedule, maybe at the top it should be. Did you try that already? Yeah. I was focused, unlike some people. I know. I've lost my focus. So if you go to all clubs and you select. It, it doesn't give a club option there, yeah. It really? doesn't have. Oh, my goodness. 
<laughs> Terrible. So maybe that's Google's problem. It's time for trivia. Okay. On what website um, can you not click the Atlanta United schedule? There's no way it's going to be a month before the next Atlanta I'll United I'll give you game. three choices. MLS.com, AtlantaUnited.com, ATL on fire. So who are we going to get as our next sporting director? Do we need one? We, we need somebody to understand the TAM and the GAM, right? So it, I think Bocanegra knows enough about TAM and GAM now. We might be able to get away with it. Um, so after all this, is Bocanegra going to get a raise since he's got to do two he's jobs? He's doubling up, yeah. He's TAM and GAM. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, um, At what point do we get rid of this Mickey Mouse stuff, though? Like, yeah. It's not that it's Mickey Mouse because it, it's... Yeah, I mean, Inter-Miami got screwed, right? Because they lost all of their allocation money, right? Yeah. Like like a ton of it, which means they can't do anything with their roster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really restrictive. <clears throat> all the people David Beckham has been talking to on the phone, yeah, he bye-bye. no longer can deliver on bringing them to the club. Poor Phil Neville. Yeah. Now he's there, and he can't even get any good players. Oof. What do you think about that coaching assignment? Um... I can't imagine that Phil Neville really makes it work. Um, is as good as Phil Neville. You know, he was okay with the women's English team, got them to a semifinal. But uh, I, some people say, "Oh, it's women's whatever." I don't. I don't agree with that at all. I think coaching women, coaching men, you know, no big deal, no difference. But it is very different coaching an international team, uh, um, a national team versus coaching a club team. Yeah, um, and I think you know. Moving, you know, going to an international team first and then trying to switch to a club, that's a big assignment. Usually, you know, as we talk about when you're looking for coaches, you know, we've talked about, I always say you want to have someone with some kind of record with some team. Um, and obviously he has a record, but not a club record. And I think that's very different. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, how you feel about that. Um, no, I mean, I think... I, I think I agree with you. I think it's just a matter of having a, a winning track record. Like to me, that's the biggest. But how do you time. feel about coaching internationally versus coaching a club? Well, a coaching a club is a much harder job, right? Because there's just a lot more to deal with in terms of schedule and travel and all that comes with it. So I think that's the that's the better barometer. I feel mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much more that goes into almost a bit of the luck of international play sometimes on how the culture of the team just happens to come together. It's also the players you have, you know, get to work with, right? You yeah. Know, club, you can recruit a squad, you can build a squad. Internationally, you're dealt with whoever you got yeah. who's from your country. And, but, and, 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 I, and I, I think, yeah, well, that's why international play sometimes, like the culture of the team and, and the, the, the argument you and I always have, I think maybe more so in international, the the coach plays maybe a little bit less of a role to some degree mm-hmm. because the players just have to want it and they have to have a good energy amongst each other, whether that's contentious. Cause I mean, a good culture could be like they, they may not love each other that much, but they almost want to go out there and prove something, right. even though they don't like each other or they really absolutely get along and just, you know, it's a, it's a really good uh, team energy. So it could be either or, but if you don't have that, doesn't matter what you're, you know, that that's as a coach, if you're dealt a bad energy, as far as like these pieces that are coming together from a lot of different clubs, then you almost have no hope. Mm-hmm. 
Fair. Yeah. Fair. Um, uh, what else, uh, Atlanta United-wise, do we have to talk about? We wore the new jerseys. Did you buy a new jersey? No. Did you like the blue oh, jerseys? Oh, I did like, oh, the blue jerseys were blue sweet. Blue jerseys, yeah. Yeah, I thought they looked great on TV, actually. Really? Yeah, well, I'm a... I thought they looked terrible. Did you? I, well, I've always been, <laughs> I'm a sucker for, like, a light blue oh, yeah? on a on a jersey. Um, so I thought it looked good. Yeah. I have to say, you know, um, since my wife listens to the podcast, you know, Carolina blue looks good on anybody, but... Yes, that's what I meant. Uh-huh. Uh, Car- Carolina blue... Looked good. It wasn't very, you know, Atlanta United, so I don't really understand the color scheme of it. No, and it's not that exciting a jersey. It was kind of with little splotches of... I know, but that's know. what Carolina Blue gets you. <laughs> just, you, look, you look cool. All right. Um, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't even know who we're playing next. We're terrible podcasters. What? That can't be true. What, is your, what does your Apple device tell us? All right, Since the see. Google the Google's not helping us out. Okay. Stuff you have to put down the wine in order to uh, Google the schedule. So, um, and as you're looking that up, you know, what did you think? What did you think of Joseph Martinez live in that Nashville game? Ah, uh, yes. We didn't really talk about him in that game. I actually thought that um, for the first time. Joseph Martinez showed more than just, you know, one or two flashes of being back. He looked more confident. A couple of times he turned quickly. A couple of times he went at players in the box. So there was that um, one where he went at some players in the box mm-hmm. and he tried to cut it back. Yeah, and he lost the ball. But then it came back and I think it was maybe Lopez. It was, was Eric Lopez who t- hit a really nice shot. It was going far post. And, oh my and the, and the, God! What a save and that the keeper was! Keeper made a great save on it, but that was you know. Again, it's funny. I was killing the Nashville goalkeeper because he was yeah. shambolic on the two goals. But yeah, that was a great what save. a save that was! Yeah, are you kidding me? How did that not go in? But yeah, it was good to see Joseph. Um, you know, I would have rather seen him almost just rip a shot, but you know, he did try. You know, his his little cutback, and that's where you show. You know the energy in the legs just doesn't have that crispness yet to uh, to pull that move off, but uh, still create an opportunity for Lopez to, you know, put in a great shot and and make the keeper make a save. We have to apologize to Google. Google Go- got it Google's right. Google's always right. Damn it, you Google! How did we go against Google? Yeah, the the official Atlanta United website, June twentieth, uh, is the next thing. It is an international break, right? Yeah. Okay, that's Google One, ATL on Fire Zero. Right, it's fine. We uh, we'll win the next one, right, Mikey Dobbs? Yeah. Google. We have to find something that Google. Don't, don't always trust Google. Trust me. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of Joseph's pink hair? Bubble think- gum, awesome. I mean, I I'm not as big a fan as the gray, which I thought was epic. I mean. How is a, a guy on top of your game scoring goals, you know, for fun, and he's sporting the gray hair? So yeah. that was my favorite. But um, the pink hair, awesome. Um, my wife, you know, with all the new players, was saying, you know, at the stadium, she's like, oh, it's hard to pick out whatever. I'm like, there's one player it's easy to pick out. And yeah. she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Justin Martinez. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I'm a big fan. I don't know. I don't know about it. 
if it was like breast cancer month or something like that, I'd be yeah. all, all about it. Um, okay. but, but yeah, I think, uh, I'd, I'd rather see him, uh, I don't know. Well, nobody can look as good as you and your beautiful Atlanta United warm-up top. This is because Heinze wore this the first game. And I'm right. Like, I'm going to get me one of those. You should. He's He's got the sweatpants, and I don't have that part of it. Okay. So that's the next big buy. So Nice. So uh, we have a month off before our next game. Yeah, international break. Apparently. So, so I guess I'm going to have to. makes sense because we know there's all those internationals. But. I'm going to have to do a ATL cooking with atl on fire episode then the if you haven't uh dear podcast listeners if you haven't checked out the youtube channel and watched the cooking segments um you're missing out because um there's some delicious things going on the atl on fire uh youtube channel so yeah i the last one i did a lobster roll which i have again never done took all ambitious all of 15 minutes 10 minutes Basically, you're warming butter if you if you do the uh, <laughs> the prepared lobster wow. from from somewhere like uh, the Cat Farmers Market. Okay, but absolutely fab- fabulous. So so we're playing Philly next, and maybe I do like Philly cheesesteaks. Awesome, um, we're in something um, like that. Or, yeah, I mean we owe those, you know, boys because uh, you know our epic meltdown in the Concacaf Champions League. Um, yeah, we owe Philadelphia. Maybe I'll put some. Home peppers in my cheesecake just to be controversial because that's not like the traditional thing that really pisses a lot of people off when you put peppers in there okay we're gonna do that <laughs> drop in some knowledge yeah. here in the podcast uh jim Curtin, and i'll spell his name wrong on purpose too in my in my notes so. <laughs> as in like the curtains over the windows yeah. yeah okay but um so who's still left in the ccl championships for the Concacaf ccl that is what teams are left? Where are we in that tournament? Are there any MLS teams still in it? Um, the, the MLS got obliterated, got yeah. wiped out. So it's all... I want to say there's one left, but I'm not absolutely sure. Hmm. I feel like there's... But all the MLS teams are cooked. Oh, God, we got... Um, the Mexican clubs just <laughs> obliterated. <laughs> well, I mean, we got... we. LA United lost to Philadelphia, but um, yeah, we didn't do too well. Let's yeah. not talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> American soccer yeah. is you know alive and kicking, except yeah. for Tata watching is the-, the Mexico coach and the Champions League. They're absolutely annihilating us. So um, other than that, it's good. Watching the U.S. Switch, uh, Switzerland game today wasn't a lot of hope either. So <laughs> right when you, when you go back and watch that on DVR, I don't think you're gonna- somebody has to learn to defend. Apparently, yeah. Well, okay, that's it. One Welcome. month off. We got a we got a we got a summer break. We talked about it all. New YouTube channel, the sporty um, clips that we have now. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's see if we can Hold go on. to the, the the final widescreen here. <laughs> see if the camera's still on. Still on. Go. All right. Technicolor dream. Well, <laughs> hit the subscribe button some uh, hold on yeah if you haven't subscribed i look like i'm bringing in a plane subscribe people subscribe more information down here on the ticker <laughs> there we go i got it we didn't know a lot about tell your friends to subscribe oh there is one more thing yeah yeah 
Um, apparently, the ATL on Fire podcast moved up in the Atlanta United podcast rankings. Oh, right. Aren't we like six or five now? I think we're we're pushing the top five. I mean, let's go! Come, come on, on, people, hit the subscribe button. Indeed, tell we're a friend. Going for the top five. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. See ya. Thanks for listening. If anybody actually made it this far in the podcast, we'd love to hear your feedback on Twitter at ATL on fire and tell your friends to subscribe. We are on iTunes, Google play, and really any sort of podcast uh, platform that you're on. So do listen again. Have a good one.